Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 408. My name's Adam Patterson. With me today, we've got Kevin Rickstraw. Hey, Kevin. Hey, hi. How's it going? Yeah, you know, not too bad. Cool. How's it going with you? Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. This week on the show, we'll be talking about The Killing of Two Lovers, which is out now on VOD platforms. We'll also be going over some of what we're watching on the watch list and going over this week's new releases new releases on VOD and Blu-ray. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Please remember to review us on iTunes if you get a moment. That would be super helpful. Just a couple light housekeeping bits. Uh, new Save by the 90s. We're recording that tomorrow. So as you're listening to this, that will either be in the midst of happening or will have already happened. So looking to get that out probably the end of this week or more likely next week but i'll be sure to um, make a post about that when that's going to be dropping uh i don't know if i'm ready to div- divulge the theme from this month yet okay let's see how it is you know what i can why not i'm not gonna t- i'm not gonna reveal any of the movies but we're gonna be talking about disaster films yes so yeah stay tuned for that also, uh, Film Pulse is on the new Letterbox HQ section. So I guess they rolled out this, uh, this section for like teams and organizations, which are called HQs. And uh, we're, we're in that now. So if you go to letterbox.com slash Film Pulse, we're going to have like all of our reviews and everything collected there. So you can check that out if you don't want to go to the website proper and that's pretty cool i mean i don't really know what i'm going to do with it yet but uh it's cool i like it yeah so yeah and then also like it links all of our individual profiles to that one so you can see all of the the people and stuff i'm not i'm still not 100 percent sure like what all we can do with it yet but yeah it's it's up now so you can check it out uh, with that, I think we can get into our review. We're talking about The Killing of Two Lovers. This is directed by Robert Machoian. I'm probably mispronouncing that, and I apologize. I have a synopsis here. David desperately tries to keep his family of six together during a separation from his wife. They both agree to see other people, but David struggles to grapple with his wife's new relationship. We have a review for this up on the site. Uh, Chris reviewed it for us. Uh, so we'll start with you, Kevin. What were your initial impressions of The Killing of Two Lovers? The cinematography mixed with the location. That that tandem does a lot of work for this movie. Just, I mean, really, really helps it out. And I mean, if you didn't have those things, I would. this would just be completely mediocre, I think. I agree, and I, I agree with that. And I'll add on the, the score, too. I really like the, the music in this. I, thought that I it, did too. It was, it, and it's it's very discordant. Mm-hmm. It's just it's a very interesting interesting score. But I wait. I like the way that it's utilized too, and that it really only shows up when he's alone. So I thought that that was good work. But like the story itself, I just like I. It's tough because of the way that it it sets it starts out, which like I get like you're trying to make this like really this 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 moment that like really grabs you really pulls you in but like it just 
completely ruins everything. Like it just undercuts it. Cause I know, like I know what this guy did or what he was planning on doing. So the rest of the movie, I'm just like, why are we showing him in like anything remotely sympathetic light? Like, I just don't, I don't care about this guy. Like he's an awful person. Yeah. It's a, it's definitely a tricky one. I, I think that this is a movie that, that does kind of, continue to subvert your expectations especially how it opens and then where it goes from there i mean at the end of the day this is a very very subdued very lo-fi kind of drama i mean even the title is i think somewhat misleading um i think that most people that read that title would take it on face value and uh you know be be preparing for something that this movie's not it really isn't and I, I guess that that was probably intentional but i enjoyed it overall and i i agree with you that that i was kind of grappling with how to feel about this the the, the main a character like he does do this like potentially bad thing at the beginning of the movie but for the rest of, for the rest potentially of, I mean, yes. It, I mean, I don't know how else to say it. It was a potentially bad thing. <laughs> uh, yeah. But I mean, yeah. he... But then for the rest of the movie, like, he's the... He's sort of portrayed as the good guy in, in this situation. At least to me. Like, he was the one trying to make it work, and I yeah, think we and were... That's- that's the thing that I have uh, like a huge issue with, like, you know, cause you just take this guy that has all this simmering hate and rage and, you know, it could cast him in the sympathetic, like, Oh, he's trying, he's just trying so hard. But like all you, as a viewer, you just keep going back to that opening image and you're like, no, like this guy is not good in any way, shape or form. Like everyone needs to get away from him. Mm. Like, this is, this is a very, very dangerous situation. Like, everyone needs to get, like, the kids should not be around him ever. Like, he should lose everything. Well, one of the things that I was wondering that I don't think that they really get into too much is the, what was the catalyst for this, 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 you know, this break that these two are on? Like, what, what caused this? What were the, the factors that, that you know, sparked this because he clearly has anger issues. I mean, that's, yeah. And it's just, it's really weird how for most of the movie, he, he, he seems to have it all under control and he seems to be the stable one when the wife is the one portrayed in sort of a more negative light. Yeah. And I think that's the huge issue that I have with this movie is number one, they don't give her a lot to do you know she she shows up occasionally and it's mostly just her reacting to either his you know potential temper tantrum or him doing just a very bizarre thing like going to the house at two o'clock in the morning and knocking on the kids windows to tell mitch Hedberg jokes (laughs) yeah which he thinks is a normal thing to do And that, that, like that's the writing too, is that it casts her in this like it's not. I don't feel like it's like aggressively negative on her part, but it just it's like passively 
negative portrayal of her where it's just like she's just not trying at all right she's just giving up yeah, and it's I, like yeah probably the right idea I, yeah i think that that a good a good example of that is that there's this this one scene when they they decide that they want to have a date night in order to sort of reconnect and he has this whole night planned out and she gets in the car and it's just like let's just not do that let's just drive around the block once and then just sit here for a few minutes and then I'll go back inside. And like, you know, that, that was a pretty shitty thing for her to do. Yeah. But that, again, that's like, that's the writing that I think is big. Cause I don't know if someone would do, I don't, maybe this is based on actual things that happened, but it just seems odd that she's planned this other thing on the date night. And then she's like, let's just sit here. Like you, she knows that the guy's coming to the house. Yeah. Well, like it's the, just it doesn't make any sense. Like she's making all these decisions that make absolutely no sense and just make her look like a very bad person. She also but, sa- she says that he didn't. She didn't know that he was coming over when um when he does come over. She's like, oh, I didn't know. I did. I did really love that scene though. I love the scene how they kept the camera inside the car and then, but you could hear the conversation between the daughter and the guy, the, the boyfriend. And, yeah. And then you could hear, uh, you could hear Clayne Crawford's character, like muttering things under his breath, like during that, that whole exchange. I thought that that was so great. I think that just circling back to the cinematography and, how everything looked, the camera work, the decisions that they made and how to frame this. Uh, I think that all that, all of that was really incredible. I loved oh, yeah. what they were, they would mess around with the aspect ratio. I don't know if you noticed that at all. Yeah. But yeah, I really I love, love it. I love it. I love it when movies play with the aspect ratio in, in different ways. So I appreciated that a lot too. It's a gorgeous movie, like without yeah. a doubt. Oh, yeah. And I, and I think mm-hmm. that this director has i mean his visual style is something that i will like instantly gravitate towards uh another one of his movies that i saw was god bless the child and that movie was was okay but i i freaking loved the look of that movie the visuals yeah i mean this one right from the outset like when he leaves the house through the window and you Mm -hmm. have that rough tracking shot that oh, yeah. follows him the whole way down the street to back to his father's house. I was just like, I was on board oh, yeah. right away. But there was also that thought in the back of my head where I'm like, ah, where are you going to go from here? Cause I knew that it was like a marriage story and like right off the bat, I'm thinking, all right, well I like, I'm not on this guy's side. Like I don't, and he's going to be the main character of this. Like, I, I don't know if you're going to be able to, I don't think you're going to be able to turn this around. And then it just, it got progressively worse, which each moment that he essentially interacts with his wife and the way that his wife's portrayed between these two guys that are both pieces of shit. Yeah. But one of them's trying, you know, he's trying. He's just, he wrote a song and everything. Yeah, this, the, the song was pretty brutal. I got to say like that whole scene was pretty cringe. Yeah. It's just, it's just, you know, it's a massive sad boy with anger issues. And I'm like, I just don't care. He's getting cut. I just just don't care. I don't fucking care. 
It's just a man child. Yeah, I, I think I, I don't know. I, I was a little bit disappointed with the overall story. I, I still liked it overall. I still think that it, uh, I would recommend checking it out. I think that it is definitely worth a look. And I, I, I liked, I liked the overall concept. I, I liked the sort of lo-fi nature of it. And I, I enjoyed my time with it, but I did have a couple hangups that, Maybe not. Maybe I wasn't as hung up on that that opening scene as as you. I, I was able to sort of get past that. But I will agree that that I think that it was kind of problematic because it, oh, it was it was a struggle. Like it was a struggle to uh, to like him, to feel empathy for them, and to to want this relationship to work out. I mean, I, maybe that's not how it was designed. Like it seemed like that's how it was designed. Like the, that we, as the audience want to see these two work it out and get back together. I mean, maybe that's just sort of human nature. Like we just naturally want relationships to work out and we want to see that, you know, love get rekindled or whatever, but yeah, it just uh, didn't seem like it was going to be a good, a, a good idea for that to happen. And, I think, and, yeah, and I, like, I do understand that. Like I get that point where like, we're privy to something that everyone else is not except for the main character. So everyone else is, you know, operating with, without that knowledge. And we're just kind of like sitting back like, Oh, if you only knew, if you only knew you would, you would continue not trying whatsoever to make this relationship work. I mean, it didn't really seem like his wife was trying too hard. To begin with, I mean, it it seemed like she moved on pretty quickly with that. Uh, yeah, that well, new, that was the other thing too. Where it's like, hers. I couldn't, I couldn't ascertain, like how, like at what point did they do this, like trial separation thing? Like, it felt pretty recent. Yeah, because for him, it felt like it was recent, but for her, it felt like this was. But you know what I mean? Like, I can't, I couldn't tell if, like, he just hasn't moved on. So he feels like this was, like, it's just started, like, three days ago. But in reality, it started, you know, like, a year and a half ago. And he's just not moving on. Or was it super recent and she just moved on really quickly? Yeah, I couldn't really tell. I mean, when she asks him, she's like, are you dating anyone? Like, that kind of leads me to believe that it's, that it has been a while. Because I feel like you wouldn't ask someone that after like three days, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like that just doesn't seem natural. And she doesn't seem like a like a bad person per se. No, so, it's so, just I, the so way, I don't, way, yeah, I don't way know. in which she's written. She just, like she's not an actively bad person. But like I said, the, the writing creates her as this like passively bad person. Yeah. And it's just like, ah, I don't think so. I don't think that's what you should be going for. Because it just doesn't make sense. Yeah, yeah, it's a, t- it's a tough one. I, uh, uh, Chris, who reviewed it for the site, he, he really loved it. He gave it like an eight and a half or something. Like he, he thought it was pretty great. And, and I think that a lot of people will like it quite a bit. And I, but I'm, for me, I'm just um, kind of well, down and- the middle. But that's again. I think that all comes back to what we said at the beginning. That like the the visual presentation. Of oh this, yeah, uh, helps it out so oh, much. Tremendously. Because if you don't have this, if you just have this shot like any other independent drama, 
you know oh god no you this would just oh, god, be media- no. aggressively mediocre yeah I, I mean i would check out so fast if it didn't look the way it did like i i would just be completely checked out i i wasn't like a big fan of how it ended either i i felt like yeah, it was yeah, a little bit underwhelming and i just i don't i was just it's confused in a couple of ways with the the ending the ending with the the driving because mm-hmm. it was, uh, well, he just he had a freak out, you know. Yeah. yeah, I think he wasn't in his right mind at that point. Like when something like that happens, like you're, you, you know, he he might have been concussed. Like he probably was. More than likely. So yeah, you you just you do crazy wild stuff. Crazy so, wild things. <laughs> uh, all right, so that is the killing of two lovers. Let's go ahead and give it a score. I'm I'm at like a six on this one. Like I think that it is I think that it's above average, but yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because I mean, again, it comes down to the technical aspects of this. Lift it above average. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like there's no denying it. It looks good. I mean, this is technically speaking, this is a really well made film. Also, quick shout outs to the kids. I thought the kids all did a really great job. They were they were good kids. Well, I t- when I was they watching, they were very, very natural, especially when he comes to their house at two o'clock in the morning. Yeah, like that was the thing. Gay, they're giving him shit about the Mitch Hedberg jokes. Yeah, that was the thing. Like, <laughs> um, I, I was like, man, these kids are just—they act like they're, like they're actual siblings. And then I afterwards I f- saw that they they were actual <laughs> siblings, and I'm like, okay, well that may, that all makes sense then. But they just nailed it. Like it felt like. They woke. They just woke up at two o'clock in the morning, <laughs> and they they reacted yeah. in a sense that their dad is knocking on their window at two o'clock in the morning. But they also have the time to be like, okay, yeah, well, let's let's discuss the Mitch Hedberg stuff a little bit. Like, let's, let's not just that. <laughs> we we could talk about it a little bit. We want to get back to sleep, but we also got to have you realize that the ones that you think are funny aren't funny. Yeah. So yeah. Prop, props to the kids. They did a really great job, too. So, And can you imagine, you know, Adam Patterson coming forward and saying these I, kids I know. did a good job. They, you, know what that, so you know that that means they did a great job. If I say they mm-hmm. did a good job, they did a fucking phenomenal job. Yeah, Oscar worthy yeah. is what we're saying. Uh, what are you going to give this out of 10? Uh, I'm going to give it a 5, I think. All right. There you have it. The Killing of Two Lovers is available now on VOD. Neon is putting that out. So if you're a if you're a fan of Neon, check it out. I, I feel like Neon is like the new A24. Yeah, it seems like for stuff that's just a little, it's just slightly different. Mm-hmm. Yep, slightly different. And I didn't know Clean Crawford. Like I, I didn't. I thought he wasn't a person. Like I figured he was just an absolute nobody. But that's the guy that got that was like the was it the Lethal Weapon remake or whatever? Oh yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Yep. So that was so that adds another aspect to it. <laughs> he did a good job too. I mean, good, good yeah, performances. Yeah, but he's also like a he's like an abusive dude. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, and yeah. He got like, so kicked, that, like he got like kicked off the the show, right? Yeah. So that, like that added another layer to it, where I'm like, ah, it seems weird that it's an actually abusive dude playing a potentially abusive dude. Oh man, I forgot. And we're shedding him in a com- you know in this 
sympathetic light. I totally forgot about that whole thing. Yeah. Hmm. All right, well, might change things a little bit. But. <laughs> All right, let's move on and talk about someone we've been watching. I, I think I want to start it off this week just because I got back to the theater this week. It's oh, been shit. It's been Watch a out. year and three months since I've been in a movie theater. Oh my goodness. Yeah. The last movie I saw was The Invisible Man, and that was when I was on vacation in New Zealand. So that was that that was back in February 2020. And this past weekend I went back to the theater. I'm fully vaccinated. My wife is fully vaccinated. And uh, apparently the theater that we went to was, you know, doing all the the safety protocols and stuff. So it was all very safe. Uh, Actually, we were the only there was two other people in the theater and they were like sitting like way far away from us. Uh, But anyway, I saw Spiral from the Book of Saul is the subtitle of this. So this is the Chris Rock written and starring Saul movie, Mm -hmm. which I thought was just an interesting concept. Like, what what is Chris Rock going to do with a Saul movie? You know, it's directed by Darren Lynn Bozeman. He's the guy who did Saul two, three and four. So he's a veteran of the series. He knows how to make a Saul movie. But at the end of the day, it was just another Saul movie that just so happened to star Chris Rock. I mean, the thing is, like, they don't really deviate from the Saul formula too much. Which is like a huge, I feel like it's just a huge missed opportunity here. Because you have Chris Rock and Samuel L. Jackson in this. Uh, Samuel L. Jackson plays Chris Rock's dad. And they're both cops, and there's a a copycat. There's like a jigsaw copycat that's happening, and they're targeting police officers. So there's a little bit of the kind of social commentary happening here, and uh, you know it's um, it's not very good. Unfortunately, the script is just very rough. Like there's these like it's a serious movie, but. They throw in these jokes and like Chris Rock's kind of cracking jokes, but they all feel so dated and it's just like none of them land, like none of the jokes land and it, it it's just very awkward and uh, unfortunately Chris Rock just does not do a very good job in a dramatic role like it he's mm. it's very difficult to take him seriously in this role. So. Uh, yeah, it's just not very good. It's, I mean, I, 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 I rewatched all of the Saul movies actually before this, and uh, I, I like most of the Saul movies. I mean, I don't, I don't recognize them as being good movies or anything, but they're fun and they're they're entertaining, and they have like crazy traps and stuff. And you know, the traps in this one were good, but it was like surprisingly tame for a Saul movie. Like some of the traps were clever. There was one that involved like these sort of Chinese finger traps. That and th- that one was really crazy and pretty brutal. But like the the gore level is much lower, and there's a there's like a much stronger emphasis on the sort of investigation aspect, which I thought was going to be kind of cool, but it turned out to be not really because the the story is just very predictable and bland so unfortunately i can't recommend spiral however 
the overall experience of just going back to the movie theater was it was incredible like i i, I didn't really think that i was going to you know think think too much of it like i was just like oh cool i'll get to go back to the movie theater but it was a surprisingly like emotional experience for me like i got so excited like when i sat down and like i got popcorn and a drink and candy like i did the whole the, the whole thing. Oh, yeah, you got it. You got to go. Yeah. You I mean, it was the, the my yards. triumphant return, you know? And when I sat down and the, the, you know, the lights went down and the trailer started to play, I got so excited. Like, I literally got choked up at one point that I was just so happy to be back at the theater. And I really hope that everyone, when, you know, they can get back in the theater, they have a similar experience and, and just remember, you know, how magical that theater going experience is and um i'm going back to the movies today later on this afternoon i'm going to see army oh, of the dead so. oh my goodness yeah so can't eat this guy away oh no nah back at it back at it that's, yeah that's the I, yesterday i went to like this little uh kind of like a little market that's been closed and they finally opened up last week right down from my house and I went yesterday, and it was just, like, it's just a little tiny market with just, like, local stuff. But, my God, it was, like, the greatest thing in the world to be at. Like, I still wore a mask inside and stuff. But for whatever reason, it was just, like, I love this so much. I'm so excited. Yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy. Like, you don't really, you take it for granted. You don't really think that it's going to be, you're going to miss it that much. And I didn't, it's crazy. Like I didn't really like, I, I felt like I missed the theater. I missed going to the movies, but at the same time, like I was still seeing a lot of movies at home and, you know, I have a giant TV and a sound system and stuff. So I try to mimic that theater experience as much as I can. But like, I, I guess I just didn't realize how much I missed it until I was actually like in that seat and the lights went down and I didn't even care. Like the movie sucked, but I didn't care. Like it was just, it's a really memorable experience. Like, I don't think I'm going to forget, you know, that time that I went to see spiral after the pandemic, like that's going to be something that sticks with me probably forever. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, I did, I watched something that was good and that is dead and buried from 1981. Gary Sherman. Watch this, this one. Shudder. This is crazy. Did you, I, I, I saw that you saw this and uh-huh. uh, for those of you that subscribe to Shudder, I'm sure you probably all watched the last drive in with Joe Bob Briggs, which is, which airs on Friday nights. And this past Friday, one of the two movies that he covered that, that they watched was dead and buried. Oh, really? Like, what are the odds of that? Like the, <laughs> the thousands of horror movies, the hundreds that are on Shudder, it's he he picks dead and buried the same week that you watch dead and buried that is very very bizarre but i gotta say utilizing letterboxes you know how you can sort by service and looking what shutter has to offer like I'm, the shutter's out of control oh right my now. god i know they're like they're they're insane they firing on all everything. cylinders right now so i i had to check out that bird Right. <clears throat> and my God, this movie is so fucking good. Hell yeah. Uh, it doesn't make a lick of sense. None of it makes sense. Uh, it feels like we just have some like kind of twists just for the for the sake of twists. 
because as soon as the twist happens, you're like, you're just like, yeah, yeah. But the logistics, <laughs> when, like, yeah, when you, yeah. <laughs> yeah, when the big reveal happens at the end, you're just like, okay, well, <laughs> the whole movie doesn't, None make, of this. The, everything <laughs> falls apart when that reveal happens. Yeah. But this is the beauty. Like, if you do movies right, you don't care. Like, I, I like, obviously, uh, when he when the sheriff walks into into the room, you know, it Dobbs. I love how Dobbs before the sheriff shows up. Dobbs is like, okay, let me get a bunch of, uh, you know, movie players here, and set them up strategically in the room, so they 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 project on each wall. I'm gonna have all these things. That I just love the logistics of that. Him planning that out. Because it looks incredible. And as soon as that one, you know, picture is shown, like, right away, I was like, okay, I know who the guy is. You know what I mean? Like, I know what the the other twist is going to be. And then, of course, the other twists, they they come back to it. And, and of course, as soon as that happens, that's when the, I mean, it, it happened before. But at that moment, I was just like, none of this makes sense. Like, this whole, this whole town. It doesn't make sense. I like why. Why is this happening? But the beauty of it is, it's so well made and so goddamn entertaining that I don't fucking care. Yeah. Like I had that thought, and then immediately my second thought was like, oh, "Who gives a shit? This was awesome." I think. Yeah, I think a lot of people have that same sentiment. I, I think that 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 is like a really common thing with this movie. Is like. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense at all if you think about it for like a second, but it's yeah. still just so much fun and like the yeah, makeup like the, the, the effects work for the most part is really good too. Like I thought the acid scene was not great looking, but But it's it's also just insane of like how brutal they oh, yeah. decide the murders to be like I don't think they have to go that far considering uh-huh. how they got everyone else. It was shit like the one was just a drowning, and but it seems like they really caught on to that, and they were like, "Hey, you know what? We, Let's just go wild." I like the, the yeah, the brutal thing's gonna be fun. Just, we gotta just, do get, the brutal thing. Get crazy with it, and then you know them having you know when they show up with all their cameras and stuff like that just add another element to it. Because can you imagine being murdered by a town, and they all show up with cameras yeah, to yeah. take your picture as you're dying? Yeah. Like that's insanely fucked up. It it's is. just insane. It's just the way that they do things too. Like the, like the kid, how the kid just shows up in the classroom the one day, and you're just like, oh Jesus Christ, they're they're, they're gonna fucking kill anybody. <laughs> yeah, they don't care. Nope. But man, I mean, this thing—it's just like the location too. The fact that it's in a, you know a New England harbor town, like this little fishing community. Oh, give me a break. This is just, this is something else. Yeah, this love movie. the location. And it's just nuts because I've never heard of Dead and Buried. I've never heard of this movie. Oh, really? Hmm. It was a video I mean, just happened. I just happened to be, you know, you're looking through Letterboxd and you just see the, you know, the little posters or whatever, you know, the little thumbnail. And I was like, I like the look of this. And then, you know, you see the, when you click on the page and it has that header image, and you're like, oh, okay. It's a, it's a needle in the eye movie. That, that's promising. 
You can see the regular one or the last drive-in one. Both of them are on Shutter. So good. So good. Speaking of Shutter, uh, I saw Fried Berry, which is directed by Ryan Kruger. This was another one that actually they did a world premiere at the last drive-in last week. Um, so Fried Berry is about an uh, this. It's a South African film about a drug addict who gets abducted by aliens and the aliens possess him and then come back down to earth and like poke around and just see what, what happens in the, the body of a human. And, you know, because this alien picked this heroin addict, uh, criminal as its host, Basically, the, the, the alien just goes around and gets, in, like, gets into trouble, has a lot of sex. Very interesting movie. Like, it's, it's, definitely, um, it's definitely not like anything I've really seen before. There's maybe one of the craziest abduction scenes I've ever seen in a movie. Like, the, the, alien, the way that they shot the alien abduction scene in this is freaking wild and awesome. It, it's, like, super surreal really weird and lots of really cool lights and uh, really, really cool abduction sequence. Uh, the rest of the movies, it's all right. So maybe, maybe I'll give it a light recommend fried berry. Yeah. Next know, movie I, I watched. Oh, okay. Sorry. Just, sorry. just one other quick, quick thing. I was expecting this to be another one of those like sort of gross out horror movies. Yeah. That's, it's, Looking at the poster, that's what I'm thinking too. Yeah, like Greasy Strangler, one of those. It's not quite at that level. There's some like unpleasantness to it, yeah. but it's definitely not at that that same level. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and I know the movie off of Shudder. Thank you, Adam, for Shudder, because I feel like I just watch things on Shudder now. I know. I, I watch it a lot too. There's just so much stuff on there. It's ridiculous. Uh, I watched A Shrew's Nest from 2014. This is a Spanish horror movie. Uh, I'm using horror lightly. It, it wasn't it wasn't as uh, horror-leaning as I was hoping it to be. Um, this is... It plays out a lot like Misery or something, you know, a movie of that ilk. It's Spain in the 1950s. This woman lives in her apartment. She's agoraphobic. She can't leave the house. She can't do it. Absolutely cannot. And in order to deal with it, and up the, among other things that are brought to light as the movie goes on, she she has this like uses a dosage of liquid morphine throughout the day. So one day, this guy falls down the stairs, and apparently just really fell down the stairs like he i maybe never used stairs before because like he (laughs) like knocked himself out he broke his leg like this dude is like completely fucked and of course he lands right in front of her door so she drags him in gets him in bed and like kind of this guy passes out from the pain his head is bleeding his leg is just like completely fucked so she kind of like takes care of him but she's also not being 100% truthful with the dude. Like she said, she said that like the doctor came and it's a good idea for him to just like kind of hang out, take it easy. 
where has that ever happened? She never had a doctor over. She's just, she likes the guy and she wants the guy to stay. And she's kind of out of her mind a little bit. Now her 18 year old sister lives with her and she knows that she's not, you know, the healthiest person mentally. So she tries to help this guy out as well. So they're kind of dueling with each other. And, uh, she just ends up doing a lot of disgusting things. And, like, it gets pretty fucked up towards the end. But it's just a slow burn that just really didn't work for me. Mostly because of, like, the production value of this movie. Feels like... It kind of feels like a daytime soap. Like, the lighting's just really off. It just it just did not work for me. Mm. That's unfortunate. Uh, that's Schroeder's Nest on Shudder. Keeping with the Shudder theme, I saw... Let's go Shudder. <laughs> and this, is, this podcast is just going to be the Shudder podcast. <laughs> I saw The Day of the Beast from 1995. This is directed Wait by... Wait a second. Wait a second here. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now this is interesting. Because I'm pretty sure that this guy produced Shrew's Nest. Oh, really? And this this movie was I was either going to watch Dead and Buried or this movie. And we went with Dead and Buried over the Day of the Beast. So this is just weird. Oh, okay. Well, you should have picked Day of the Beast. Because Day of the Beast is pretty crazy. This is the same guy that did Witching and Bitching, which I liked a lot. Um, And he did The Last Circus, which if I remember correctly, I did not like. However, this one from 1995, it's pretty wild. So it's basically it's about a uh, a priest who discovers that the apocalypse is coming and the the Antichrist is about to be born. He figures out the day that it's going to happen, but he doesn't know where it's going to happen. So what he decides to do is he needs to. Um contact the devil so in order to contact the devil he basically has to do everything he has to turn into a horrible person so he just goes around and is the worst person he can possibly be so he like listens to black metal music and tries to like evoke the devil like he steals money from people he pushes people on the ground like he was walking down the street and there was one of those street performers pretending to be like a statue he just walks up and pushes him over and he just goes around and tries to be an awful person in order to contact the devil and he then teams up with this record store employee and the this tv show host who has this show about like the occult and the three of them basically have to team up and try to prevent the apocalypse from happening it's super fun like i i had a really great time with this with this movie i think it could have i think it could have gone a little bit heavier on the the whole like a priest being a horrible person in order to evoke the devil like i think that that premise alone is sort of a good hook yeah and i think that they could have capitalized on that a little bit more but it's still uh really fun so i was like hankering for a 90s like a a solid 90s horror movie that i haven't seen before and this one definitely 
it definitely uh, scratched that itch for me. So I can definitely recommend checking out The Day of the Beast from 1995. Oh, yeah. I will definitely be checking that out. Yeah, it's on Shudder. Oh, I know. That's all I watch. Shudder. <laughs> Shudder. This episode brought to you by Shudder. Uh, well, uh, do you have any more to mention? Because I have another Shudder no, one. you have another Shudder? <laughs> I do. So, yes. I finally watched... I finally watched Hello, Mary Lou, Prom Night 2 from 1987. This is a movie that's, like, eluded me for years. There were, like, maybe two or three times where I either meant to watch this movie and didn't or, like, just didn't have time or uh, it, this actually played on Last Drive-In. I don't know if it was last season, but I ended up falling asleep. And um, so I finally was like, you know what, I, I'm kind of in the mood for, for like a, a solid eighties horror movie. Again, I wanted something that I haven't seen before. So I, I was like, Oh, that's right. Like I I've been meaning to watch this forever. Finally sat down, watched it freaking loved it. I don't understand. Like, I feel like maybe this is one of the biggest, like under the radar. Like a lot of people nowadays talk about this movie and, and sort of give it the praise that, that it's due. But I think that like, you see that title and you're just like, uh, it just seems like a, like a bad sequel to a movie that wasn't, you know, great to begin with the first prom night with Jamie Lee Curtis. It wasn't an incredible, you know, slasher movie or anything, but this movie's completely yeah. different. Like it has nothing to do with the original prom night. So I, I think that the title is its biggest undoing. What you have here is it's like a mashup of, Carrie, A Nightmare on Elm Street, and The Exorcist. And it is done so well. The effects work is incredible. I love the story. Uh, just everything about this movie is awesome. And highly recommend this one. If you're looking for a solid 80s horror movie that's like fun and has good effects work, uh, definitely check out Her Hello, Mary Lou prom night too because it's it's just it's great fucking great yeah and yeah i this this looks really good and i'm i'm definitely got to put this on the list and yeah. i can tell and i and i love when movies do this to someone where you enjoy it so much that it's really difficult to put it into words yeah and essentially it just reduces you to just be like this movie's awesome yeah that's how you know something's really good. Like you can't come up with anything better than like, holy shit, it's just really good. Yeah, just check it out. Just check it out. All right, let's take a look at what we have on VOD. Shall we? <laughs> Weekenders is coming out. This is on the 18th. I'm not sh not really sure what this is. Uh, let's see. A scheduling mix-up at an Airbnb brings 420-somethings together, and I'm already checked out of that. Uh, let's see. On the 20th, we have PG Psycho Gorman. That's going to be on Shudder. Oh, wow. Yeah, I would recommend that if you haven't seen that yet. It's it's a good bit of fun. It's a horror comedy. Lots of fun characters in it. Lots of fun costumes and monsters and stuff. Uh, if you're not familiar, it's about a... a Two, two young siblings who end up discovering this alien monster and have complete control over him. So he'll do whatever they want. Mm -hmm. And hilarity ensues. On the 21st, we have The Retreat 
coming out that's uh looks like a horror movie the only way out is to fight well yeah clearly so yeah just 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 keep that in mind we got riders of justice coming out this is the crime thriller with Maz mickelson this looks really cool i'm i'm pretty stoked for this one uh we'll have a we should have a review up for this one by the time you're listening to this uh, we have American Fighter coming out. Uh, this is, I guess, probably an MMA type of thing. It's not a documentary, but it just doesn't look great. We got Sound of Violence coming out. I talked about that a few weeks ago. I think that was at South by Southwest, I want to say. Um, interesting concept. Didn't quite stick the landing for me. But we got Pink, All I Know So Far which is going to be on Amazon Prime. It's a rock doc about pink, so there's that. Uh, we got Seance coming out. This is also on the 21st. This is uh, from Simon Barrett, who you may know as the writer of Your Next and uh, The Guest. Basically all the Wingard stuff. The two of them work together on a lot of their movies. Blair Witch. Um, yeah, pretty excited for this one, actually. This one looks pretty pretty fun. It's with Sookie Waterhouse. Yeah, all right. Got Blast Beat coming out on the cusp of the year 2000. Colombian brothers, uh, Carly and Mateo, prepare to move to the United States for their last years of high school. It's a, a, a coming-of-age story, maybe. Got Drunk Bus coming out. Drunk Bus? Yeah. It's with uh, Charlie Tahan, who's the dude from Ozark. I like him. This looks like a, I don't know, this could be interesting it's about a dude who drives a bus around a college campus that's gotta be awful oh my god can you imagine holy shit mm, no uh way. apparently on the 22nd there's a movie coming out called the dark hobby which is about uh people who are trying to save coral reef reefs mm. okay but it's weird that it's coming out on a saturday so that's that's why i mentioned the date mm. doesn't seem quite right but hey it is what it is blu-ray this week we have uh, santa sangre from 1989 that's gonna be on 4k that looks like a is that a vinegar syndrome maybe or a severin looks like a severin yeah oh boy got the sting coming out in 4k from 1973 animal house from 1978 that's also coming out in 4k drunken master 2 from 1994 coming out yes. not not in 4k oh uh, got Grizzly from 1976 coming out. He Knows You're Alone from 1980. Eyes of a Stranger from 1981. Minari is coming out. It's the one from last year. That was my number one movie of the year, so I highly recommend that one. All right. Uh, Raya and the Last Dragon coming out. It was the Dis- That's the Disney movie that just kind of came and went. I like didn't. No, I didn't. Nobody's no, no even talking about that one. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't realize that that came out. Yep. Uh, Wildcats from 1986. Day of the Animals. Day of the Animals from 1977. I think that's the movie where, like, all the animals freaking kill people, I hope. Oh, are you serious? I'm pretty sure that's the one where, like, nature just starts attacking everybody. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. The depletion of of the Earth's ozone layer causes animals above the altitude of 5,000 feet to run amok. Which is very mm-hmm. unfortunate for a group of hikers who get dropped off up there by helicopter just before the quarantine is announced. Yes. 
Yeah, I, I remember. I don't think I saw this movie, but I remember seeing like lots of clips from it and stuff. Like they just get attacked by everything, like birds and mountain lions and shit are just killing them left and right. That I love the idea of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got the father coming out. That was another big release from last year. The Snake Eyes from 1998. I feel like that comes out a lot. Like it's a lot of releases hey for some reason. Fucking Snake Eyes. Let's see. We've got the the Private Lives of Elizabeth and Essex, starring Betty Davis and Errol Flynn from 1939. The Sting is coming out in 4K. Tom and Jerry, that's the new one. That's uh, quite bad. That's coming out on Blu-ray. Above Suspicion, that's a thriller that came out uh, this past weekend on VOD. That's going to be coming out on Blu-ray. Baxter from 1989. Beware of the Dog That Thinks. This is about a dog that thinks, apparently. Beware of the dog that thinks. <laughs> I what? It's not on Letterbox. Baxter. Yeah, I don't know. Beware the dog that thinks. Is it a what show? Is it? No, it can't be a show, right? What year is it? Nineteen eighty-nine. That's a movie. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Here it is. A sociopathic bull terrier. I I'm not familiar with this, but I'm all about it. Yeah. Huh. It's a French horror film that blends thrills and black comedy. The inner thoughts of the brooding Baxter reveal that he is quite unhappy with his situation, living with an elderly woman who's afraid of him. He just, he doesn't like it. Nope. Interesting. All right. Yeah. Well, I'm going to have to add that to my list. Uh, let's see. We got The Nest from last year coming out. Uh, Hunted. That's uh, that's on Shudder. So you can check it out on there. Cosmic Sin. That's at... Uh, sci-fi movie with uh, bruce willis that is supposedly horrendous we got sun from earlier this year shithouse from last year mm-hmm. uh, let's see i feel like they they kind of shot themselves in the foot with that title actually because when i think of shithouse i think of like something like a gross out type of movie for some reason you know like greasy strangler like one of those yeah butt boy or whatever but it's not, I mean, it's like from what I haven't seen the movie, but from what I gathered, it's your pretty typical like romantic comedy. So I'm just not sure if that title the was the thing, best decision. I've, I've seen a lot of good reviews. Yeah. For yeah. Apparently it's good. So I don't, I don't know. Uh, that's about it for regular stuff. What do we have on Criterion this week? Oh, we have uh, Ho Shaoxin's Flowers of Shanghai from 1998. Mm coming out on a criterion getting some taiwanese films on the criterion collection there nice and this has a uh, new uh subtitle translation it's got a brand new documentary on the making of the film featuring behind the scenes footage and interviews and whatnot Woo. all sorts of stuff 4k digital restoration damn nice. watch out nice all right cool well pick that up then uh i think that'll do it for this week Thank you so much for listening. You can send us your questions and topics to podcast at filmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin. And if you have a minute, consider reviewing us on iTunes. That'd be extremely helpful. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name's Adam Patterson. We'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.